Chapter Twelve of the Charing Cross Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Alias Madame Listorel. The woman thus observed marched swiftly away down the deserted street in the direction of the town hall at the corner, and Matherfield, after one more searching look at her, dropped the slat of the Venetian blind through which he had been peeping and turned on his companion. At the same instant, he reached a hand for his overcoat and hat. "'Now, Mr. Heatherwick,' he said sharply, "'this has got to be a one-man job. There'll be nothing extraordinary in one man going alone along the streets to catch an early morning train, but it would look a bit suspicious if two men went together, on the same errand, and the same track. I'm off after her. I'll run her down. I'm used to that sort of thing. You go to your chambers and get some sleep.' I'll look in later and tell you what news I have. Sharp's the word now. He was out of the room and the house within the next few seconds, and Heatherwick, half vexed with himself for having lingered there on a job which Matherfield thus unceremoniously took into his own hands, prepared to follow. Presently he went out into the shabby hall. The man of the house was just coming downstairs, stifling a big yawn. He smiled knowingly when he saw Heatherwick. "'Matherfield gone, sir?' he inquired. "'I heard the door close.' "'He's gone,' assented Heatherwick. "'The person he wanted appeared suddenly, and he's gone in pursuit.' The man, a smug-faced, easy-going sort of person, smiled again. "'Rum doings these police do have,' he remarked. "'Queer job, watching all night through a window. "'I was just coming down to make you a cup of coffee.' he continued. I'll get you one in a minute, if you like, or tea now. Perhaps you'd prefer tea. It's very good of you, said Heatherwick, but to tell you the truth, I'd rather get home and to bed. Many thanks, all the same. Then, out of sheer good nature, he slipped a treasury note into the man's hand, and, bidding him good morning, went away. He, too, walked down the street in the direction taken by Lady Riversreed and her pursuer. But when he came to the bottom and emerged into Harrow Road, he saw nothing of them, either to left or right. The road, however, was not deserted. There were already workmen going to early morning tasks, and close by the corner of the town hall, a roadman was busy with his broom. Heatherwick went up to him. "'Did you see a lady, and then a gentleman, come down here from St. Mary's Terrace just now?' he asked. "'Tall people, both of them.' The man rested on his broom, half-turned, and pointed towards Paddington Bridge. "'I see him, Governor,' he answered. "'Tall lady, carrying a little portmantle, gone along over the bridge yonder, Paddington Station Way, and after her, Matherfield.' "'Oh, you know him, do you?' exclaimed Heatherwick in surprise. The man jerked a thumb in the direction of the adjacent police station. "'Used to be a sergeant here, did Matherfield?' he replied. "'I knows him right enough. Once run me in, me and a mate of mine, for being a bit festive-like. Five bob in costs, that was. But I don't bear him no grudge, not me, thank ye, Governor.' Heatherwick left another tip behind him, and walked slowly off towards Edgware Road. The tube trains were just beginning to run, and he caught a southbound one and went down to Charing Cross and thence to the Temple. 
and at six o'clock he tumbled into bed and slept soundly until four hours later he heard mapperly moving about in the adjoining room mapperly whose job at heatherwick's was a good deal of a sinecure was leisurely reading the news when his master entered he laid the paper aside and gave heatherwick a knowing glance got some more information last night he said about that chap i tracked the other day how did you get it asked heatherwick put in a bit of time at vivian's answered mapperly there's a fellow there that i know clerk to the secretary chap named flowers that man bosvery has a share in the place sort of director i think what time were you at vivian's inquired heatherwick late or early early for them answered mapperly did you see the man there i did he was there all the time i was in and about all the time but at first he was in what seemed to be a serious conversation with a tall handsome woman they sat talking in an alcove in the lounge there some time then she went off alone oh you saw that did you said heatherwick well i may as well tell you since you know what you do that the woman was lady riversreed oh i guessed that remarked mapperly i figured in that at once but that wasn't all i found out more the dead man hannaford from what i heard from flowers i've no doubt whatever that hannaford was at vivian's once if not twice during the two or three nights before his death anyway flowers recognized my description of him which i'd got of course from you and the papers hannaford there huh exclaimed heatherwick alone no came in with this basvery they don't know him as dr basvery there though plain mister i'm quite sure it was hannaford who was with him did you get the exact dates and times asked heatherwick i didn't flowers couldn't say that but he remembered such a man well that's something said heatherwick he turned into another room and sat down to his breakfast thinking mapperly come here he called presently look here he went on as the clerk came in since you know this vivian place go there again to-night and try to find out if that friend of yours knows anything of a tall man who corresponds to the description of the man whom hannaford was seen to meet at victoria you read ledbitter's account of that given at the inquest yes replied mapperly but of what value is it none for practical purposes he couldn't even tell the shape of the man's nose nor the colour of his eyes all he could tell was that he saw a man muffled in such a fashion that he saw next to nothing of his face and that he was tall and smartly dressed there are a few tens of thousands scores perhaps of tall smartly dressed men in london never mind inquire said heatherwick and particularly if such a man has ever been seen in basvery's company there he finished his breakfast and then instead of going down to the central criminal court after his usual habit he hung about in his chambers expecting matherfield but matherfield did not come and at noon heatherwick impelled by a new idea left a message for him in case he called and went out in pursuance of this idea 
he journeyed once more to the regions of Paddington, and knocked at the door of the house wherein he and Matherfield had kept watch on the flats opposite. The lodging-house keeper opened the door himself, and grinned on seeing Heatherwick. Heatherwick stepped inside, and nodded at the door of the room which he had left only a few hours before. "'I want a word or two with you,' he said, in private. "'Nobody in here, sir,' replied the man. "'Come in.' He closed the door on himself and his visitor, and offered Heatherwick a chair. "'I expected you'd be back during the day,' he said, with a sly smile. "'Either you, or Matherfield, or both.' "'You haven't seen him again?' asked Heatherwick. "'No, he's not been here,' replied the man. "'Well, I wanted to ask you a question,' continued Heatherwick. "'Perhaps two or three. "'To begin with, have you lived here long?' "'Been here since before these flats were built. "'And that's a good many years ago. "'I can't say exactly how many,' said the other, "'glancing at the big block opposite his window. Twenty-two or three, anyway.' "'Then I dare say you know most of the people hereabouts,' suggested Heatherwick, by sight, at any rate. The lodging-house-keeper smiled and shook his head. "'That would be a tall order, mister,' he answered. "'There's a few thousand of people packed into this bit of London. Of course, I do know a good many, close at hand. But if you're a Londoner, you'll know that Londoners keep themselves to themselves. May seem queer.' but it's a fact that I don't know the names of my next-door neighbors on either side, though, to be sure, they've only been here a few years in either case. What I was suggesting, said Heatherwick, was that you probably knew by sight many of the people who live in the flats opposite your house. Oh, I know some of them by sight, assented the man. They're a mixed lot over in those flats. A few old gentlemen retired, two or three old ladies, and a fair lot of actresses, very popular with the stage, is those flats. But, of course, it is only by sight. I don't know any of them by name. Just see them going in and coming out, you know. Do you happen to know, by sight, a tall, handsome young woman who has a flat there? asked Heatherwick. A woman who's likely to be very well dressed? The lodging-house keeper, who was without his coat and had the sleeves of his shirt rolled up, scratched his elbows and looked thoughtful. "'I think I do know the lady you mean,' he said at last. "'Goes out with one of those pesky little palms, a black un on a lead, that her?' "'I don't know anything about a dog,' replied Heatherwick. "'The woman I mean is, as I said, tall, handsome, distinguished-looking.' "'fair hair and a fresh complexion, and about forty or so. "'I dare say that's the one I'm thinking of,' said the man. "'I have seen such a lady now and then, not of late, though.' "'Then he gave Heatherwick a shrewd, inquiring glance. "'You and Matherfield after her?' he asked. "'Not exactly that,' answered Heatherwick. "'What I want to find out now is her name, "'the name she's known by here, anyway.' "'I can soon settle that for you,' said the lodging-house keeper, with alacrity. "'I know the caretaker of those flats well enough. "'Often have a talk with him. "'He'll tell me anything between ourselves. "'Now then, let's get it right. "'A tall, handsome lady, about forty, fair hair, fresh complexion, well-dressed. "'That's it, mister?' 
"'You've got it,' said Heatherwick. "'Then you wait here a bit, and I'll slip across,' said the man. "'All on the strict between ourselves, you know. "'As I said, the caretaker and me's pals.' He left the room, and a moment later Heatherwick saw him cross the road and descend into the basement of the flats. Within a quarter of an hour he was back, and evidently primed with news. "'Soon settled that for you, mister,' he announced triumphantly. He knew who you meant. The lady's name is Madame Listorel. Here I got him to write it down on a bit of paper, not being used to foreign names. He thinks she's something to do with the stage.' She's the tenant of flat 26, but he says that of late she seldom comes there, comes for a night or two, then away, maybe for months at a time. He saw her here yesterday, though. She hadn't been there, he says, for a good bit. But there, it don't signify to him whether she's there or away. Always punctual with her money. That's the main thing, ain't it? Heatherwick added to his largesse of the early morning, and went away. He was now convinced that Lady Riversreed, for some purpose of her own, kept up a flat in Paddington, visited it occasionally, and was known there as Madame Listorel. How much was there in that, and what bearing had it on the problem he was endeavouring to solve? End of chapter 12